0: welcome to victory gp we're excited you've joined us and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message
1: well we're going to start today some of you have seen this video it's just two minutes long um billy graham when he was on 100 huntley street in the 70s uh prophesying over this nation so we're going to start with that and go from there
0: you said something that just thrilled me to my toes Well, you know, Canada uh, stands uh, for peace in the world and uh, Canada has not taken uh, sides in many of the world disputes uh, such as Vietnam and so forth uh, in in the past. And you have a spiritual heritage here, both in Quebec and in Ontario and in Western Canada. And uh, you have the spiritual groundwork is already here. And there's an afterglow that I think you feel. Now, people are not attending church today in Canada as they once were. Uh, Toronto was once called when I first came here, Toronto the good, because so many people went to church. So many people believed in God. So many people believed in Christ. But I believe that Canada stands in a very unique position. If Canada should have a spiritual awakening and a spiritual revival, I think it could uh, lead the world. I think the whole world would look to Canada, and I think Canada could become the world leader in the spiritual dimension.
1: Yeah, amen. So God, we just pray today, as we step into your word, as we step into your heart, that you would help us to align with what you say. God, we recognize these words prophesied by a man of yours, God, your son, And Lord, we thank you that you give us the opportunity to partner with it. We know that prophetic word is not a guarantee. It's a possibility. It's what's on your heart. And we decide whether to engage. And so, God, today, we just thank you that you stir our hearts once again. We open ourselves up to what you have and what you have planned. And, God, we pray that there would be an awakening on the inside of us, even more so today than it has ever been. And we thank you, Lord, for this moment of change in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know what? A lot of, um, a lot of people at this point in time are just avoiding the topic of the nation because it's super uncomfortable. And you guys know, I mean, this this church actually has um, not just a local calling, but we actually have a national calling. This church has, there's a prophetic uh, tie to the national things that are here, and, and we know it. We know it in the spirit. God just keeps drawing us back again and again and again to contend for this nation, to stand for this nation, to, to uh, see God's. Purpose is done in this nation, and the last uh, season. I mean, it's been it's been so rough. I don't want to I don't want to focus on the negative, but I mean, we do need to address some of the major things that have gone on. Obviously, uh, with COVID this past year, there's been a complete change of situations and whatever your politics are on it and whatever you believe should or shouldn't have been done, one of the things that has happened is that our fundamental uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms has been completely annihilated as a nation. Um, So whether that was necessary or not, I'm not gonna get into that, but what I am gonna say is, is it leaves us as a nation on the precipice of the unknown because some of the things that we thought were absolutes suddenly aren't absolute anymore. And, and so we've got we've to press into that a little bit. Um, while the nation was sleeping, while the nation was quarantining, while the nation was uh, worrying about whether or not I feel comfortable wearing a mask or not, there were some things that passed through government, um, federally and provincially, that was completely contrary to the will and the Word of God. Um, while we were sleeping, stuff has happened. And so things have, things have shifted. There's been a, a turn, even a deeper a twist towards um, the things of the earthly system and away from the things of God, and, and, and that's devastating, and then obviously most recently, um, the revelation of the beginning, it's just the beginning of the finds of these graves at the residential schools, and uh, it's devastating, I feel like for, you know, for the first time we've gone from, oh Canadians are so polite, to there are countries like China and Russia that are demanding an inquiry into Canada on possible genocide, This is the nation that I was born into, the nation that I am so proud of, the nation that I love. And so we've got to pause and at least acknowledge what is going on. And uh, we we can't go back and change the past. But one of the things that I find so interesting is that many First Nations people are saying, this isn't a surprise to us. We're just glad people are finally paying attention. So we've got this window of time. And I was thinking about, you know, when we had um, Alberta linked here in the spring and it was, it was really, some people were super uncomfortable with it, but um, it went very um, First Nations in the tone and there was a lot of wailing, and a lot of weeping, and a lot of grieving, and a lot of prophetic, like there's a cry from the ground that's coming out, I believe that this, this gathering actually birthed the release of the revelation, that there was some, some stuff that opened up here that was necessary, and what I find very interesting is um, when when Reverend Billy Graham says that Canada could lead the nations in a, in a spiritual turnaround, um, I read an article from the New York Times this week that said that, um, based on what Canada is finding uh, they 're beginning to look into inquiries around their own residential schools, which were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Native American children that were in there and so there 's some hidden stuff, some hidden works of darkness that are being exposed, and some of the thing is we 've been praying, God would you expose injustice would you expose unrighteousness so that this nation can be healed and as soon as it starts being exposed we're like no put it back (laughs) ew that's gross but you know what it's been there all along and so god is bringing stuff to the surface so that the land can be healed. He's bringing our awareness to the things that are on his heart, the things that break his heart. And so I just want to address that this morning. Obviously, um, we don't want to be ashamed to be Canadians, but we want to be active in our role as Canadians, whether we were born here or whether God sent us here um, at some point during our life, that we have an assignment here. The very beginning of the book in Genesis, when God says to fill the earth and subdue it, the word subdue there means to bring into order. It's to put things in order according to God's design. And so we have a responsibility as God's people to see order restored, to see things made right, to do what we can. And what does the word tell us to do? In, In the case of these horrible, horrible discoveries, it's really quite simple. Weep with those that weep. We're way happier to rejoice with those that rejoice. It's easier. Weeping with, sometimes you just need somebody to sit there and help you cry. Sometimes you just need to express, sometimes we just need to pause and say, I'm sorry. I didn't do it, but I am sorry. And how many of us, when somebody, when you fall, when you've been hurt, when something happens, somebody comes to you and they say, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And maybe they had nothing to do with the incident, but the fact that they acknowledge your pain. Makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? And so in this moment, we've got this time where as a nation, I actually feel like it's as ugly as it's ever been. I wouldn't be putting a Canadian flag on my backpack to travel anytime soon. But um, traveling would be nice. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But I will contend for this nation. I will stand, I will bow, I will repent, I will intercede, I will do what God's called me to do. And there's a couple things that I just want to give us some scriptures for those who might be new to praying for the nation. I want to give you some scriptural foundation for why we do what we do and why we need to stir ourselves up in this hour and why we can actually be really excited that it's as bad as it is right now. Hidden things are not good things. Right, just because it looks good on the outside, I mean, it, I, I have I have seen you know uh, there's this movement that's going on. It's probably supposed to be really good for like, you know, body image and whatever. But like celebrities doing selfies with no makeup on, and you're like, you're you're who? What? You know. <laughs> I don't even recognize you without the three sets of fake eyelashes and the whatever, like they don't even look like, sometimes when you find out what's underneath, it's uh, interesting, but our nation has had this facade of nice, and underneath it, like, let's just be frank about it. The reality is we have no abortion restrictions. That is sick, and it's the most evil set of non-laws globally. We have euthanasia laws that are some of the worst on the planet and the the numbers have risen in this past year because we isolated seniors and left them alone to die. That's a problem in this nation. We've got abuses that have happened in schools. And uh, one of the things that made me like literally sick to my stomach was when they discovered the, um, the seniors uh, in Quebec that were starving to death in the homes, and, and as they began digging in, finding different seniors' homes that where there was this radical neglect of the old people. Do you know God sees that, and he does not take that kindly. He does not turn a blind eye. So it's been exposed. Some of this really gross stuff is being exposed. Some of the things, you know, just this week, there was a a ruling that finally came down, you guys remember a couple years ago, any of the federal funding for summer students, uh, you had to sign an agreement that you were okay with abortion. Well, for churches, we kind of aren 't uh, for for people we kind of you know, we should pause and think about these things and not just sign papers. And so finally, this week, a federal judge ruled in favor of a Bible camp and said, no, that's completely wrong. You are absolutely entitled to the funding, and the government has to give you what you're due. That, that is awesome, right? But these things only happen when we get pushed to the ugly zone. And so right now, we are pushed to the ugly zone in a lot of things. Some of the stuff we've spent money on, taxpayer money, has gone into some completely immoral, sick things. And so God is calling on us to take our place. We're not without hope. We are not all trying to leave the country and move. So this is the place that God has called us to be. And so we intercede. And so we take our spot. Psalm 33, 8 to 12 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, and he makes the plans of the people to no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans on his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. How do we fix the injustices? The Lord. How do we fix the brokenness? The Lord. How do we make better choices? The Lord. How do we find our destiny as a nation? The Lord. Uh, Revelation 22:2, you know, the, 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 the prophetic word over this nation, the reason for this flag, the leaves of the tree shall be for the healing of the nations. This is the only flag with a leaf on it. I look at this right now and I'm just like, Dear God, we can't even heal ourselves. But if our prophetic destiny is to bring healing to the nations, then this nation has a healing coming. That's what this tells me. I find it very encouraging that it's read, that I am, I am convinced that the only thing that's gonna change us and bring about the healing is the blood of Christ. Yeah. It's going to be the redemption that comes from the one who paid the price for this land and for the atrocities that happened. Do we not think that the fact that many of these, these uh, terrible, terrible stories that were happening, that, that we're hearing about, that happened in residential schools, that happened in the name of religion, do you not think that Jesus himself is dealing with the fact that his name is being blasphemed like this, that these things are attached to crosses and crucifixes, and Jesus is nothing like what happened there. Jesus gets what we're going through, where we have to stand on the truth. We have to stand in the righteousness of Christ, and we proclaim what he says. We proclaim healing to this nation. So we've got to come into partnership with it. I'm going to give you four quick points, and then I'm going to turn it over to Apple. Firstly, we must stand in the gap. We have to. We can't disengage. We might want to, but if we disengage, it only gets worse from here. We have to stand in the gap. And so, a scripture for that one, 1 Timothy 2 1 to 2. We know these. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. What do we do? We stand in the gap and we pray we want a peaceable life, we want a quiet life, we want to be able to walk in godliness and reverence, we want to be able to worship freely, we want to be able to proclaim the gospel, we want to be able to proclaim the good news, then the Word tells us that what we do is pray for those in authority. That's our job. That's what we get to do about it. We can do our part, we can live righteously, we can live honorably, and we need to, but we also have a responsibility before the Lord to pray for those in authority. Jeremiah 29, seven, ask and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray for it, for in its peace, you will have peace. In other words, engage on behalf of the land, the place we have been assigned to be. The word tells us that we didn't pick where we are. Did you know that? We were assigned to be here and now. Acts tells us that God has determined our times, the boundaries of our dwelling places, that we would reach for him, that we would grope for him. We are here now for his purposes. And so we will seek the peace of this city, of this province, of this nation. We will contend. We might be horrified right now, but God gives us something to do. We feel helpless. He gives us something to do. We feel like we can't change it. He gives us something to do. And so we choose to stand in the gap. Secondly, we must care. It's not just that we pray, but we allow our heart to attach to it. We allow our heart to engage. I think it's important that we weep with those who weep, that we actually care about the things that are going on, that we actually have conversations with people, whether it's about the residential schools, whether it's about you know all the other injustices. We had a, we had a, a waitress the other day, a server, who just, I mean, she poured us our coffee and then told her about this horrible situation that her family is having, her uh, parents had had a motorcycle accident and just due to the brokenness of our medical system right now, I mean, it has gone very, very badly. And she's just pouring it out. And I said to her at the end, I walked out, I said, what's your mom's name? Because we would love to pray for her. And she just like teared up. And she's like, that would mean so much to me. Well, you know what? It's, it's not helpful for me to go, yeah, that sucks. That's terrible. It's helpful for me to go, wow, I'm really sorry that happened. We'll pray for you. Right? That's what matters. So We need to choose to care. Amos 5, 23 and 24 says, it's one of the most upsetting scriptures in the Bible. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Justice and righteousness are the foundations of his throne. And so God's like, I don't, I mean, we all heard the stories We've all heard the stories about the churches on the rail line in Germany and Poland when people were being taken to death camps and they just sang a little louder. Not on our watch. It has to be different now. It has to be We are held responsible for what we know. And I would say many of us up until now, we didn't know some of this stuff, but now that we know, we're responsible. God, we plead for justice. We plead for righteousness. We engage with righteousness and justice. We ask for an unveiling of those hidden works of darkness that light would dispel the darkness, that there would be a place of coming forward, that there would be confession so that we can be healed. There has to be a turning point. And we are a people who have the benefit of a generation just before us who maybe didn't respond accurately, but we get a second chance at it. We get a choice. What are we going to do in this moment? Will we take our place on behalf of this land? Thirdly, we must partner with heaven. Jesus said in his his model prayer for the disciples, you pray it this way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You, you ask for your own forgiveness. We uh, we ask for the forgiveness of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There's this ministry of reconciliation that happens in the presence of God where I can't choose to walk away offended if I know that I have offended the heart of God and he's forgiven me. That place of restoration, that place of reconciliation, it's, it's incredible. I was sharing with somebody, I don't know if anybody was on the... Um, there was a, a national prayer movement on uh, Father's Day and it was all First Nations men and women from across the land and they were praying together and I really expected that it was going to be all about um, healing and forgiveness. And it wasn't. It was about repentance and restoration. And instead of saying we, we have to forgive, we have to forgive, we have to forgive, they were saying God forgive us for not uh, welcoming People to this land, forgive us for taking ownership of something you only gave us stewardship over. Forgive us for taking offense, forgive us. I wept watching it because I thought this radical humility, but our first peoples are leading the way in reconciliation. We have to join them. We have to partner with them. And so this is this is the sort of stuff that God calls us. It's partnering with heaven. What are my rights and what is right? Are not necessarily the same thing. Right? Proverbs fourteen thirty four righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I would say that we're living in that right now. Reproach just means an embarrassment. But righteousness exalts a nation. Second Chronicles 7, 14 and 15, you know this well. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I have to spend time, personally, I have to spend time in the word of God or else I just like want to move to Tahiti. I mean, I do most of the time anyway, but um, (laughs) just kidding. governmentally, it gets very discouraging, like just due to the nature of my interests and my calling and my passions. I mean, some of you in this house are the same. You subscribe to a lot of political, um, you know, newsletters and websites and whatever. And some mornings you read through them all and you're so discouraged. It's just like, like, dear Lord. And yet we've got stuff like there's a, there's a bill that we've all been dealing with, Bill C6, that is uh, the, the, anti-conversion therapy law, which honestly, just if you're watching online and you're uncertain about this, nobody thinks conversion therapy is a good idea. Nobody thinks electrocuting people or harming people or drugging people or coercing people into anything is ever a good idea. However, the way it is written, um, it silences church leaders, it silences counselors, it silences people from getting open, honest counsel. And so, you know, really a, a lot of um, church leaders and even uh, like counselor societies, social service groups are, are just asking for a modification of the wording. Parts of it are fine. Parts of it set us up to, to be basically to be arrested for, you know, talking with somebody based on their sexuality or their gender identity, which is a problem. And so I was so blessed. I mean, I, my, my initial thing was I was horrified that the vast majority of our federal MPs voted in favor um, by far. But I was so blessed that our local representative, as he consistently does, voted for righteousness I mean, we need to be sending thank you notes. We need to be sending, you know, thank you for standing for righteousness. We're praying for you. He received a lot of really negative feedback um, on the backside of that, but he needs to hear the good feedback, right? We need to honor those that are doing what is right. And so we partner with righteousness. Righteousness will exalt this nation. Finally, we need to pray with expectancy, And that's the big switch, and this is why I wanted to hear from some people who came to this land and have a different perspective. We need to pray with expectancy. We know that faith is the substance. We need to pray in faith or nothing really happens, and faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if we've lost hope, we have a hard time standing in faith. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to stand on the word if your hope is dashed. And so we have to stir up hope. We have, to, we have to find our hope in the Lord. We have to look for the places where hope belongs and where hope lives. And so we need to choose to see what God sees, and we need to choose to see through fresh eyes. I had a, a, one of our awesome doctors was in my office one day, and he was just sharing with me how, you know, he said, uh, honestly, what you've, got, what you've got to have in this nation— ahead and he was just prophesying. He said, you need to have the fire of God. You have to have the power of God. And he was telling a story about um, in his nation, he said, it, it, it is very common. It's very common to experience people being killed for their faith. It's very common to be on the very edge of life itself and stand in faith. But he said, he, he, he told me the story about he was remembered being in this village and they were ministering and uh, just bringing food and, and supplies and ministering just the gospel. And, and they had, uh, the team that went in there, they had a 24-hour prayer watch, so they just took a couple hours and went through the night. And he said at one point in the night, he was just by himself doing his prayer watch and he, had his, he was kneeling down, he had his arms out and he said something cold dropped into his arms and he opened his eyes and it was a dead baby. And he didn't, he didn't know what to do, but he said something came over him He just could feel the spirit of God come over him. And he grabbed that baby and pulled it into his chest. And he said he just started wailing and praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, the baby coughed and came back to life. That's our God. Nothing is past the point of restoration. Nothing is past what God can do. But it takes people willing to weep over the dead. This is where we're at. And so I'm going to have Apple come. I'm so excited. Wayne's got a mic for you. And if you need some water, would you welcome Apple and what she's got on her heart?
2: Good morning. Am I on? Good morning, everyone. My name is Apple Sanchez, and that's my husband, Neil, one of the cool guys in the worship team. That's my son, Paul, over there as well. We've been attending the Victory Church for more than four years now, and we're so thankful that God brought us here because our lives have been amazing since then. Thank you for accepting us here. Sorry, I'm a little bit, a, a little bit nervous. So I'm going to read this, I don't want to mess up. <laughs> so I just want to share some of um, God's wonderful works in our lives here in Canada. Before coming here, I've been hearing nothing but the best about living here. The people, the culture, um, the way of life, free education, universal health care. So, and a lot more. That's why uh, they say the quality of life in Canada is the best in the world. Do you agree? Yes, and I do. I believe that Canada is indeed a blessed country. No wonder why so many people from around the world are dreaming to come here. And I'm one of them. It was um, January 23, 2010 when I first landed in Grand Prairie. It's been 11 years now, wow. (laughs) I was working as an administrative assistant for McDonald's stores in the Philippines when I was given the opportunity to come here. And yes, I'll be working at McDonald's again, but this time not in the office anymore. It's gonna be in the operations and as a service crew. So I would admit at first I was a little skeptical. Will I go for it? Is it God's will? Um, What will happen to my family? Paul is too young back then to be away from us, especially that Neil was in Dubai during that time. So we're going to be in three different places if I'm going to go for it. But with all my uncertainties, I came to the Lord. I asked him, you have to show me clearly that this this is part of your plan for me and my family. Otherwise, I wouldn't go without your approval. And... He gave me his words in Isaiah 41, 10 to 13, and it reads, So do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgrace, and those who oppose you will be nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. So it was like, God is talking to me face to face and saying these words. So if you heard these things, wouldn't you go? (laughs) Right? And so I went here knowing that God is going to be with me. But I'm telling you, my journey wasn't easy. I've had so many struggles from conversing to diverse individuals. Since English is not our first language, the struggle is real. <laughs> you know, I have lots of um, funny conversations with Canadians when I first came here. Adapting to the culture wasn't easy either. The weather, the food, the job, name it, I had it all. We were all dreaming for a white Christmas, but we had no idea what minus 40 is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, I was like, I want to touch the snow right before my hand, and it's awesome. But after a week, <laughs> yeah, I remember one time, I, w- I remember in the cold when I missed the bus. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't know that I had to wait another 30 minutes before the next bus comes in. So it was just my third day, I guess. And of course, I was not fully geared. (laughs) So I was freezing in the cold. I can't even feel my toes after 10 minutes. So I was like questioning God. Why am I even here? (laughs) I was living a decent life in the Philippines. But you know what? Um, God maybe for some reason the sun shone so bright that I felt the warmth all over my body that uh, enough to conquer the cold until the bus arrived you know in the Philippines when you go out you want to commute hundreds of buses are waiting for you but not here you have to know the schedule <laughs> um, it just I know it's a pretty example of God's work in my life, but it just goes to show that in our simplest and most difficult situation, God can show up when we ask for help. And He is consistent, even we're not. Our situation can never change who He is. He is God and He is all-powerful. And anytime I feel like something is not working out or I feel like quitting, I always go back to God's promises. His words and His promises are my portraits. Whenever I feel anxious about about anything, God is reminding me of His word in Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And every time I meditate on those words, there's just an unexplainable peace I feel inside me. Ever since I came here, my ultimate goal is to get Neil and Paul to come with me here. And like what I've said, I work as a service crew. It's not a skilled worker. And the only way for me to sponsor them is to be a manager. But during that time, in my store were about 30 to 40 foreign workers who are competing to be a manager. And I was like, "Um, it's going to be a long way, I thought. And the question is like, how can I get ahead? There's way too many people who came here before me. So I was like at the end of the line. But I'm a very self-motivated person because I know that God is with me and He will work everything for my good. To make the long story short, after a year, I became a manager. And I was able... I was able to process Neil and Paul's paper to come here, and after another year, we were all reunited. And that's the most happiest, the happiest moments of my life. But you have no, you have no idea what I've been through to get there. (laughs) Especially now that I'm the restaurant manager for McDonald's Claremont, so if you have time, come visit me there. (laughs) I know I've been through all the stores in Grand Prairie, and then they threw me out there. Out there, I don't know if they're going to bring me to Yukon soon. (laughs) That's an expression anyway. There's so many times I have almost given up. No, by the way, Neil told me that's the last (laughs) door. If not for God's faithfulness, I wouldn't be able to make it. It seems like the easiest thing to do is worry and be anxious about everything, even if we don't have to. I remember when Paul is about to begin his schooling here, he was just five years old, going to grade one. I think I had one week of sleepless nights, because I've been worrying about him. How is he gonna cope up in school? He might not understand his teacher. How is he gonna interact with his classmates? Because he's not speaking English well. And Neil is, is really relaxed. <laughs> I'm even asking him, you're not even worrying about Paul? <laughs> about our son going to school? And I'm thinking I might go with him one whole day. <laughs> Just to see what's gonna happen. But you know what? Uh, God would remind me again, how many times am I gonna tell you, be still and know that I am God? I will work it out for you. And you know, it didn't take long for Paul to correct me when I mispronounce any words. (laughs) Yeah, I would even have to remind him. Him, I'm still your mother, right? I can send you back to the Philippines anytime. (laughs) Because he didn't want to. He liked it here. He didn't want to go back to the Philippines. You know what? Um, People are saying, you know, Filipinos are hard worker, they're multitasking. Yes, we are. Even if we're talking to you, we are multitasking. Because we're trying to understand everything you're going to say, we're processing our thoughts, we're rearranging the words, and we're even checking our grammar before we say it. So if we say, I'm sorry, repeat it, repeat it please, it means that we messed up along the way. <laughs> So please be extra considerate to us when you are talking to us. Um, it's always been a great blessing to us being here. God gave us more than we could ever imagine. We've been through a lots of up, ups and downs along the way, especially during those times that we are processing our permanent residency and our citizenship. But God is ever faithful when we obey His command. We trust Him in all areas of our lives, even with our finances. He surely blessed us in unthinkable ways. We have to fully surrender to God so He can truly move in our lives and fulfill His purposes. It may not always be easy. Pastor Charlotte once shared to us, breakthroughs and repining works hand in hand. But most of us, we love the breakthrough, but we don't want the process. But God loves the process. And one thing I've learned in my walk with God are these things. If you feel in love, find ways to, to show love to others. If you feel like you are lacking on things, find ways to, sh- to bless others. If you feel oppressed, find ways where you can release forgiveness. When you feel alone, go out and fellowship. It is in pouring out that we feel the overflow. We cannot thank God enough for, not just for all he has done for us, but who he has been in our lives. He is God and he's always been good. From the opportunity to build life here, the job that we have right now, to our citizenship, to buying our own house and driving our own cars, I didn't even imagine myself behind the wheels. But now, thank God, Neil uh, taught me how to drive. So helping our family in the Philippines, this is just the tip of the iceberg of what God has done in our lives. I don't think the service would be long enough to share all of you the, the great things that he has done for us. It is always a privilege being able to, to live here in your country. That's why you guys are beyond blessed that you were all born with all this great abundance right before your eyes. But we want to thank you, we are forever grateful for accepting us and loving us here, especially in our church. We will forever be grateful. I love my country, but I am so proud that I can call both the Philippines and the Canada my own. It's true that Canada brings healing to the nation. Yes, you are. And God is not done yet. I believe that the best is yet to come for all of us here. God bless Canada.
3: looks different from here. (laughs) First of all, let me say that Jesus in my heart says hello to the Jesus in your heart. I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know why. I was happy and joyful uh, until this moment. Uh, Apple, I loved everything you said. Pastor Charlotte, everything you said is everything that's written here. <laughs> strange how Holy Spirit works. Uh, coming to Grand Prairie was uh, a very strange decision. We came to Canada in 2006. We went to Australia because we were deciding where we need to go. It was literally flipping a coin. But God showed us where we need to go. I had no idea, no plans that we are going to come to Grand Prairie. As any immigrant, you leave things behind. You leave families behind. You leave friends behind. You leave your jobs, your career. You sell your houses, sell your assets. Most important, your church. You leave your church behind the connection that you have. We leave uncertainty, basically we leave certainty, come to a place where we don't know how we're gonna adapt. The climate that is it's a challenge but we don't even look at it we don't even think about it we are it's for the guys who ride dirt bikes it's just like taking off a hill yeah. getting off at the other side i have no idea how i'm going to land how it's going to pan out but god is faithful uh 12 years we've been in canada and we've gone through ups and downs as apple said we had a great life We had all the comforts, everything we ever wanted was a phone call away. It was easy life. Coming to Canada, things were different. We had a lot of challenges. Uh, When Apple says we have struggles, that's an understatement. Uh, We almost lost our son, Jason. He's sitting right there with my wife, Millie. We almost lost him. July 9th, 2008 is a date I will not forget. He was four years old, took him to the hospital. He could breathe in, but he could not exhale. As a father, you see your son helpless. As a father, there's nothing I can do, absolutely nothing. But I just watch him. Four minutes, 11 seconds, what it took for the EMS to arrive when I drive 911. I know God was working. Four minutes, 11 seconds. And when someone cannot breathe, try holding your breath for four minutes, 11 seconds. The words that Jason said was... He's four years old. He like, he's Spider-Man, Superman, and all this kind of figures, right? He's like, I'm strong and powerful. He said, Dada, I'm losing power. His eyes were closed. It was, I think, one in the morning or two in the morning. Millie and I, we broke down. When your only son tells you that he's losing his power with his eyes closed down, and that's the last statement he says, and he passes out, wow. it changes. <sighs> we celebrated father's Okay, we celebrated Father's Day a few days ago. And uh, I think about uh, Jesus, right? We all know what Jesus felt. He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? But we don't think about the Father, how he felt. In In my peanut brain, I know the pain of losing our son, it was so close. But God is so good, he got Jason back to us because he knew that was a joy, that's all we had. 2010 was a very tough year, and maybe that's why I'm a bit uh, emotional right now. That's not who I am. (laughs) Just you know, I'm a pretty tough guy. (laughs) Uh, But 2010, our finances were all down to zero. We lost everything. 17 years I worked in the oil and gas industry in the Middle East, I had a great job, made good money, Came down here, lost everything. Uh, never heard of Grand Prairie. This is all in Vancouver, by the way. Never heard of Grand Prairie. Uh, life in Grand Prairie was dif- uh, life in Vancouver was different. It was if you have seen the old Ten Commandments movie, when Moses goes up, Aaron's down, and you have all this thing happening, they have the calf. That's how it appeared when I was in Vancouver. It's you look around, pagan worship. The thing was not right. And we came from a church that was spirit filled, Holy Spirit, we That's what it was. That's how God taught us. And we were like, have you made the right decision? Because that was Canada to us. Have you made the right decision? And God had a plan. He's like, no, that's not where I want you. I want you in Grand Prairie. Where? Grand Prairie. Came over, looked from the airport or from the aircraft. The airport looked that small. We landed. It was still the same size. (laughs) Uh, So, strange. We started here it was first January it was 31st December 2010 2010 got a job how God changed things around we had a last of our savings left $18,000 that was the last what we had in the bank and we made a decision on 7th of December eight days after coming here and we lost that $18,000 too because things happened I won't go into the depths of it but God was faithful because he helped us recover everything seven months later everything Aaron was born that in 2011, and the Trinity was born here in 2011. We were looking for a spiritual church, and it took us a long way to get to this church. And thank you, Pastor Charlotte. This church bleeds the heart of Christ. This church bleeds God's love. I can testify the wonderful things God has done for us. Was our journey tough? Absolutely. Did we cry? Absolutely. Did we lose our joy? Sometimes. Did we lose our peace? Yes, we did. Did we lose hope? Yes, we felt hopeless. But in an instant, God had a way to further up. Yeah. Did we? That's a question I've written here. Did we regret our decision to come to Canada? And we've done that twice. We've regretted coming to Canada twice. But immediately, the Holy Spirit shone me. The first time was 2010. That's what happened with Jason. Second time, I was sitting right up there. And it was preached right. when I was with my head down, just depressed. And the words that came out verbatim was, you are exactly where i need you to be i have no idea what that meant but i just got that instant peace so if i'm in grand prairie i'm exactly where god wants me to be i didn't plan for this but that's where he wants me to be and as apple was saying if that's where god wants you if god is with me who can be against me i have the peace and we all have the peace we all have the assurance the fact that we all are sitting here is not a coincidence We are all meant to be here. We all have a purpose. Every trial we went through, it turned out to be a very powerful testimony. Right? And no hope, no support. Uh, Finance is almost gone. Discouragement usually comes in and it creeps into you very silently. But in our case, it came face to face. It was head on. We saw discouragement right there. It wasn't. But then Holy Spirit for Christians, you believe, Pray to God, seek his refuge, and he will turn turn things around. Instant peace. Can't explain. As a Christian, we can understand. Right? Takes a time. Takes travel. But the only thing we have is hope. And you covered on that already. Hope is something that we have that looks at the impossible and says nothing is impossible. All things are possible to Christ. Even when things are hopeless, people will fail you. Governments will fail you because we have I have my expectations you have expectations sometimes they're not aligned But governments will fail you the world systems will fail you But the only one who won't fail you is Jesus Christ because we have a firm foundation in him never wavering He never abandons you never will fail you. He is faithful. He was there before me. He's going to be there forever yes. so Romans 13:1 every person to be in subjection to the government authorities, whether they like it or not. Why? For there is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. I have no understanding. I said my peanut brain does not understand or comprehend why things are the way they are, but I know God is in control and I got to trust him. Our Lord is the same when he created Adam and Eve. He's the same God that bought the floods. He's the same God that divided the Red Sea. And the same God that gave his son yeah. for me. Yeah. And he is coming back again for all of us. Yeah. Right? That's a hope I have. Right? So good. Uh, this is just an analogy. It depends how you guys look at it. If I look back 20 years and I compare 2021 to 2001, so like 20, 2001 was great, loved it. It was so nice. Things were. I was in control of a lot of things. Now I don't have control. Then you go back another twenty years, depending on how, what age you are. Uh, 1980, great time. Even better. Even better. Now you go back forward. How is 2041 going to be? I have no idea. Absolutely, have no idea. Now go to Revelations 2010. That's the end of the season. That's where Satan's done. Go back. Go ahead one more step. It says on Revelations. 22, verse 12 and 13. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. And the beginning and the end. Now, if you can spiritually picture yourselves in that time, look back in 2021. How how do you feel right now? Because we know where we're going to be. How do you feel right now? God's got it. Jesus has got it. We all have our troubles, we all have our challenges, but we have the peace. Yeah. We have something that the world does not have. And as Pastor Charlotte mentioned about Second Chronicles, if my people call a name, he will heal the land. The first three words, if my people, I am his, he's calling me. He's calling me right here. If my people, he says, pray, pray never ceasing. God will heal this land. He's got this, this is his, this is his, he's got it. Yeah. No, thank you for for this church. It means a lot. Grand Prairie has been good to us. And uh, we are happy to be part of this church. Thank you.
4: still morning, so good morning, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I usually do better talking from my head than reading from a newspaper. But Pastor Charlotte, when she called me last week, she said 10 minutes. And I figured if I have to keep to 10 minutes, (laughs) I need to read from my paper. So bear with me if I don't read very well from the paper as I talk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've been in Victory Church now for 17 years. I'm thankful for this church. Uh, It's a church that teaches. I've grown a lot in the 17 years. I I had a growth before I came here, but I've been blessed under Pastor Pastor Paul and Jan, and now Pastor Charlotte and Wayne. And uh, so um, my own Dimension to the whole testimony is kind of different but, and that's how God works God uses us. We all pastor Charlotte mentioned something that I was going to say a scripture and um, Chris mentioned something similar Apple as well, so it just shows that we are all working in the spirit because I actually asked God I said what am I supposed to talk on I prayed about it So, if anyone here takes offense for anything, just be angry with God, not me. (laughs) And uh, for some of you, I'm sure some, some of you are aware, just March this year, there was a study from University of Pennsylvania. And it talked about the best place to live in the world, the best country. Number three was Sweden. Number two, Denmark. Guess what country was number one? Canada. Canada. And they based it on, uh, the study was based on the food, housing, quality of life, education, and health care, safety and well-being of the public and public well-developed public education that was what it was based on and i can testify to that not only because i live in canada i've been blessed to have traveled a lot i started traveling when i was in university i've been to italy i've been to the netherlands i've been to austria i've been to croatia i've been to paris I've been to, U.S. is in our backyard, so I don't need to (laughs) mean that. I've, (laughs) I've been to Hungary, I've been to Israel, so many places, and yet Greece. But I would tell you, nowhere compares to this nation. And when we moved here, when we moved here in 1991, We came because we were not sure, we were thinking, okay, we're moving to Canada. Not 100% sure if we're going to stay. We're originally from Nigeria. I'm going to talk about Nigeria a little bit because I have a reason for saying that. But we came here from Scotland because my husband finished his medical school from Nigeria. He went to Britain to specialize in pediatrics. And after working as a pediatrician, he decided he wanted to subspecialize as a neonatologist. A neonatologist is when you specialize in 23 weeks of pregnancy to full-time baby. And the best place, he was told, from Edinburgh was Winnipeg. So that was how we came here. We came in 1991. The first thing that was striking about Canada was the land. The land and few people. It was sparse and we were told on the weekend Don't go to downtown Winnipeg on the weekend. It's always too busy, too crowded (laughs) We went to the downtown. We wondered where was everybody? (laughs) compare (laughs) Yeah, compared to Glasgow in Scotland. It we even went to Toronto and it seemed like there was nobody on the street so that was what first struck us and then the place was very clean. Canada is a clean country. If you go to anywhere in Europe, wherever you go to, you'll find that this place is a very clean country. And then there was safety and security. The decency of the people. everybody saying sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> even when they didn't need to say sorry. <laughs> Friendliness from neighbors. In, you, in the UK, you have a neighbor and you don't even say hi, and uh, the food w- was plentiful everywhere. Everywhere you went, whatever meeting they were having, even if it was for two minutes, they served food. <laughs> the roads were very wide. The vehicles were huge in our eyes. The cost of living was so low, even though coming here And living there, we left our home, we were not sure whether we were going to go back or not. We left our house, left everything, came here with a suitcase. Imagine going to a new country with your suitcase, with all your belongings, everything you left behind. But then, even living in an apartment with the salary of a student doing fellowship, we were still comfortable. We were still comfortable. I started with Salvation Army, mind you, to buy my furniture and the plates I needed. We didn't ship anything here. I was thinking, okay, in fact, within three, one month, my husband thought maybe we should go back. I said, no, we, <laughs> you have to finish what you came here for. But why did we stay back? We stayed back because we noticed that the first thing we noticed also in the... In a temperature of minus 40 that gets up to minus 50, nobody was recorded as dying in their apartment due to lack of heat, which happens in Europe a lot. In in Edinburgh or Glasgow, you hear every winter of people dying of cold because the heating cost was very expensive. And a lot of people, will, you couldn't afford... Most people can't af- couldn't afford to heal the whole, uh, heat the whole house. So they will heat one bedroom. The kitchen will not be heated or the bathroom. And then when they leave to go and use the washroom, they f- collapse and freeze to death in between their bedroom and their bathroom. So, and then, so the heating, and we, we told ourselves, we said, you know what? This place actually, and what other thing I enjoyed was the summers. The summers were very great. It was cold in the winter, but summertime you had to use, in Manitoba, most of the houses have AC, so you are under the AC. But when you go outside, it's beautiful. So it was really nice, and we thought, okay, we're not going back. This is where we're going to stay. And we started our family here and had all our children in Manitoba. So I want to talk about Nigeria a little bit to give you the perspective of what you have in this nation. I'm just, um, I'm portraying Nigeria because if you don't appreciate what you have, you will lose it. If you don't appreciate it also by praying to God and getting connected with the Father, you will lose it. Nigeria is in West Africa. It has 250 ethnic groups, speaking 500 distinct languages, which I speak, I speak three of those languages. The official language in Nigeria is English. It's the most populous country in Africa, seventh most populous in the world, estimated at 200 to 240 million people. Its economy facilitates between the largest in Africa and the second largest, and the 27th in the world based on GDP. It is a member of many world bodies. UN Commonwealth, which includes Canada, ECOWAS, OPEC, and informal member of MINT, which means Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria and Turkey. Britain colonized Nigeria along with other countries in the world. Nigeria gained independence on October 1960 from Britain. They had civil war between 1967 and 1970. After the civil war, Nigeria thrived as the fifth largest oil producer in the world. The third in cocoa, and first in palm oil, second in cotton, and et cetera. They They had the second largest reserve of bitumen after Venezuela, the second largest reserve of gas, and they produced all they needed. They had large international workforce from USA, UK, France, India, Pakistan, and the Philippines. They supported liberation of Rhodesia, Angola, South Africa. And at one time in the 60s, they paid the salaries of some of the Caribbean countries' government officials for a whole year. That was how rich Nigeria was. They had free health care, just like Canada has today. And that's why Nigeria was able to train its citizens for free. When I went to secondary school and university in Nigeria, 80% of it, or up to 90%, was free education. The Saudi royalty came to Nigeria for healthcare, to in, the, in the 70s. And right now, presently, we have, when we moved here in 1998 to Grand Piri, we had 10 Nigerian physicians here, who have all moved away. We have my husband and one that are still left. But presently, we have 15 that moved here again. We had over 5,000 in the US during President Clinton's time. And I'm sure the numbers are even higher than that. Why? Because the people took things for granted. And they didn't insist on good leaders and the company was run down by bad leadership, the people, because of prosperity, turned their face away from serving God 100%. The pastors, some of them, many of them, switched to prosperity gospel by putting more emphasis on prosperity. Yeah, it portrays that when you don't appreciate what you have, just like I said earlier, you could lose it. Like, most of the, the sad thing for the Nigerian nation is that most of the physicians abroad were all trained by the Nigerian government. Wow. My husband was trained by the Nigerian government. When he went to UK, he was sent there by the Nigerian government. But then his brother, who is also a surgeon, who also left, told him that you can't come back home because the hospitals are running, being run down, the facilities are... The government is not supporting it like it used to. So even if you come in with your training, you will not be able to use it effectively. And that's how we ended up abroad and ended up here. So the the Nigerian government was giving services to other people in the world. But at the end of the day, where are they now? I remember when Pastor Charlotte preached some time ago on Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 17, 14. She said, if my people who are called by my my name should humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. What happened to the Israelites? The Israelites they lost the promise of majority of them. Their children saw the promised land. The ones that left Egypt ended up not seeing the promised land. Why? God hates complaining. He does not hate complainers, but he does hate it when we complain. One of the greatest sin and most consistent sins while in the wilderness was that of complaining and murmuring. In fact, it was their complaining that made an 11-day trip last 40 years. Complaining is the opposite of thanksgiving. God said we should give thanks in everything. And one of the reasons why God doesn't like us complaining is because... He, when we are thankful, we feel better. Even in the book of Psalm, you notice that the psalmist complained about so many things. But always in the end, they ended it with thanksgiving. Complaining poisons our attitude most of the time. It doesn't make us bitter, uh, feel better. And it also infects people who are around you when you complain. The attitudes of others are affected It is contagious when we share our negative discontent. It can have the same negative effect on someone else's attitude as well when you complain. Complaining also implies that we don't trust God. E.g., for example, a land full of milk and honey, that was where God promised the Israelites. But what happened to them? they were complaining. Pastor George Sakodi preached about at the beginning of COVID, I remembered, he, talk about, he talked about the Israelites mentioning worthless manna. Yeah. They said God gave them worthless manna. Yeah. And they condemned and they were upset with the food that God gave them in the wilderness. So, my... And then my what I will why I why did I talk about complaining? Because with this COVID situation, people focused more on complaining. People did not focus on the good that God had given them. Do you know that Canada is one of the only countries where the government gave people money for sitting at home? during the lockdown, 80% of the world didn't have that. Many people had to fend for themselves. My country in Nigeria, where now many people have to earn money day to day, the government didn't give them anything. What was supposed to have been supplied to them, they found it after the lockdown in a warehouse. It was kept there by corrupt people. Neighbors had to fend for neighbors people who had who had to make money every day to make money to get food to eat were on lockdown for three weeks couldn't make money but God is a faithful God not a single person died from hunger he took care of them but in Canada we are, you are we are so blessed here even when we you don't have the government gives to you what God is asking from us is that we should Call on to him, pray to him, and he will heal our land. So my, my take on this today is that the grass is always greener on the other side. I know that things are not easy for a lot of people, but don't focus on what is not easy. Look around you, look at the immigrants that come into this country with nothing, and they make it how do they make it some of them don't understand the language so, some of them don't even know where to start just like chris said left everything he came here he started on something they lost what they came with but yet they were able to make it sometimes it's even good for you to mix with immigrants so that you can see how they are thinking they have no time to complain They have no time to sulk. You have no family here. We came here with not a single family. I had four children, raised four children on my own. No family, no relatives. And yet, you are able to make it. Why? Because we had God, too. God makes a difference. Children of God, yeah. Those, yeah, yeah. Those who are Christians. So when you have God, With you, everything is possible. Let's not call anything useless manner. Let's go back to the word of God and call out to God, trust in him, put our hope in him, never be discouraged, never, ever be discouraged. God is with you. He said he will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you.
1: Good, I mean, it gives us somewhere to pray and somewhere to you know repent in some ways. Um, I'm gonna ask my good friend and our MLA Tracy Allard if you would join me. And we are blessed to have yet another born again government official who got his positions. And this is not about politics or anything like that. This is about, though, somebody else who's stepping into God's calling for them. And um, I don't know, can you share a little bit about the prayer meetings that you do in the mornings? Is that? Hello.
5: Hello. You will be in a minute. Hello. (laughs) You want me to share a little bit? Yeah. I'll be very brief. Um, First of all, I'll say somebody, one of the immigrants shared, government is not the answer. It might have been Asia. I'm not sure. I can totally confirm for you, government is not the answer. (laughs) Whether you're on the inside or the outside, it's not the answer. But God is the answer. And when you send someone to government who knows God, I have learned that it's not about me bringing solutions. It's about me bringing God into government. It's about me bringing God into conversations. It's about me bringing God into caucus and to cabinet. And there's, there's spiritual warfare over our province and our country. Mm-hmm. Every day we contend. And so I lead our caucus in prayer, Monday to Friday, every morning. And we've, we've had 10 to 12 ministers praying for our country and for our province. And every day we end with, thy will be done in Alberta as it is in heaven. Yeah. And the word is contend so I implore you today as you are disappointed with people, we will disappoint you, I will disappoint you at some point, I can promise you that, but God will not, God will not, and so I implore you as you send whoever is next to Parliament, whether federally, provincially, or municipally this fall, pray for those people, pray for them faithfully, contend for your province for your city, for your country. We need to contend for righteousness. I believe that righteousness is about to take the seat in Alberta, and it has not been on the throne here in a very long time. So, so instead of prosperity, although we're very blessed, and I pray for prosperity to rain, like, rain down on us, that would be amazing. But I don't want prosperity to rain down on us if it means that we don't need God anymore. Yes. Right? So make us poor enough to need you, Lord. And so I just want you to know that there are many of us faithfully, daily, that pray over you as our constituents. And we are contending for the restoration of righteousness to all the seats of power and influence. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you so much. Wow, so good.
1: We are blessed. Let's stand together. And I've asked, um, I just call you Tracy, but yeah, just... <laughs> she has all kinds of official names, but you know, we also want um, whatever positions you have, we, we know that God has assigned us in all kinds of places and all sorts of areas. And Dr. Felix, you know, was the head of pediatrics in our hospital. We've got We've got some people that are in places of major influence, some places of minor influence, some it's right how you influence your neighbors, um, your family, whatever, and we want everybody to feel welcome here in whatever capacity God has called you to, and we want to support and honor one another, and so we do honor Tracy, and we continue to pray for you daily, we're so grateful for you, but I've asked her, um, because we've had a lot of these conversations about praying for righteousness and justice to be established in our province and in our nation, and so I'm going to ask if she would lead us in, Prayer for that, and um, we'll come into agreement, and then we're going to
5: sing our prayer over this nation as we close today. So, Father God, we thank you that we can come into your house in person. Mm-hmm. Thank you, God, yes, for breakthrough. God. Thank you, God, for victory. Thank you that through sixteen months of COVID, you were with us. Yes, God. Through every challenge, you were with us. That you will never leave us nor forsake us. Mm-hmm. And Lord, today, if we as we leave, as we prepare to go through this week, we pray that we would remember that it is our obedience that unleashes your power. Yes. That prophecy comes to pass when we obey. Yeah. When we, your people who are called by your name, will humble ourselves and pray, then, then you will heal our land, God. Yes. And I pray for your healing over our, our city, mm-hmm. over our region, over our province, over our nation. Lord, I pray, hasten your plan. Yes. Hasten your plan for Canada to become the place of healing, the beacon of peace for the world, the beacon of God's love. I pray, Lord, for righteousness to throne in Alberta. I pray for righteousness to throne in Canada, that we will be a nation known for truth and righteousness. I pray, Lord, that in every challenge, we would see the opportunity to be your hands and feet. I pray that in every challenge, we would see the opportunity, whether we're treated well or whether we're treated poorly, whether our name is exalted or whether our name is dragged through the mud, that we would say, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Father God, bless this land, bless her people, and bring your church, wake her up. Yes. Ask your church to contend and may your grace fall like rain upon our land. Thank you for your mercy. We pray these blessings and we seal them in the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Amen.
6: Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, team, lead us through. With faith, with hope, with heart, let's sing our benediction this
0: Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give, just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.